do praise you tonight, God. We give you our hearts in worship, Lord. And as we come before you, we seek your face, Lord. We need you so much tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would refresh our hearts, Lord, that you would renew us and restore us in your Holy Spirit as we open your word, God. Lord, set within us, Lord, your purpose, your mission for us tonight, God. Lord, give us your heart, Lord. Give us this heart to to see what uh, the world around us, Lord, and that we may do your will and live for you, Father. So, Lord, we give you worship tonight. And even as we open your word, we worship you. We ask for your anointing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, tonight we are going to be getting back into Luke chapter 3. So if you can open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 3. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about... a couple things that David Livingston had said. He once said this, God had only one son and he was a missionary. Isn't that good? I I love that. Another one of my favorite quotes he says, and I keep it on my computer. He said this, I determined never to stop until I had come to the end and achieved my purpose. I love that. Because I want to keep going in the mission God has given me. Now, David Livingston, if you, if you know about him, there's some pictures up there. Well, he was a very famous Scottish missionary. He was a medical doctor and a pioneer who went to Africa during the 1800s. He's well known for going into the middle, the heart of Africa, where no other missionary had ever gone. He mapped out rivers as he he's this explorer pioneer guy he went where no one ever went and he mapped out rivers in central africa as explorer but as a missionary his dream was this and i quote uh, to bring the whole continent into the domain of christ i love that i love his heart he's inspiring to me well on the night before he first departed out to africa in 1840 he spent time with his Christian parents. And then the next morning, according to family custom, they are all up at 5 a.m. And his father asked David Livingston to lead the scripture reading and prayer time. And I was reading this this week, and what he read that morning was, and I'm going to read to you here, was Psalm 121 and another psalm. But in particular, he read Psalm 121 from verse 5 through 8, which reads, The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is... Your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And I love that because I think about David Livingston, this missionary out in Africa, and how God gave him that scripture as he met and he prayed with his family uh, there in Scotland before he, he left. And so with that simple time of worship with his family, David stepped out into the, his call of God. He stepped out into history. And at that moment for him, the mission began. And I want to put that in your mind because tonight, as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Luke, here in chapter 3, we not only find the genealogy of Jesus Christ, but we see the baptism 
of Jesus Christ, which was the official start of his ministry. So tonight we see that is when the mission begins. And that, that's the title of our, of our message tonight. The mission begins. We're going to be studying Luke chapter 3 from verse 21. We're going to finish this chapter tonight. And our outline is this. We're just going to see two things tonight. Number one, the baptism. And number two, the bloodline. So the baptism of Jesus and the bloodline, his genealogy. And so that's really the basic sections that we're going to see. But let's begin here with the baptism, the baptism. Now, uh, we're going to begin here in this first section really is covering two verses, verses 21 and 22, for those of you taking notes. Well, let's take a look at these verses right now. It reads, now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with, with you I am well pleased. And we'll stop right there. So we begin here, Luke, the writer of this gospel, he puts in here, now when all the people were baptized. So you can read it like this. Now when on this one of these days, when all the people were being baptized, this is when it all happened. This is when Jesus Christ's baptism came to pass. Now I want to stop right there just for a moment to think about what's going on now. There's this baptism going on in the Jordan River. Well, we know we've been reading in this chapter, right, all about John the Baptist, his life, right, his coming and who he was and what he did. And you remember his mission. We saw his mission back in verse 3. It says in verse 3, And he went into all the region around the Jordan, the Jordan area and river, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So that was John the Baptist. That was his mission, right? To prepare the way for the coming Messiah. You remember his uh, message? His message we found in verse 8 of John 3. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. So, you know, show your repentant heart that you're turning to Christ or turning to God and that you're going to repent and show works of repentance. So we saw his mission. We saw his his message, and we saw his motive, right, last time. We saw his motive, which was really found in verse uh, 10, where John was, everyone was wondering, yeah, are you the Messiah? And he says, no, no, I baptize with water, but there's one mightier who is coming. No, it's not me. He pointed to Jesus, right, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we covered all, all of that last week in part two, really, of the voice in the wilderness. That was our title in the last two messages, right? So now we come back now and the people are being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. Well, it is at that moment, it says next, when Jesus also had been baptized. So in other words, then Jesus came to be baptized also on this particular day when people were being baptized. Now, to me, that raises a question where it says Jesus also had been baptized. Jesus being baptized? I mean, does Jesus really need to be baptized? I mean, what's John the Baptist? What's his mission, right? Bringing repentance and forgiveness of sins. Does Jesus really need to repent of his sin? Does Jesus really need to do works? Bring fruits of repentance? Not, no, not Jesus. Jesus is sinless, right? We know that. We understand that. There is no sin in him. Well, if Jesus is sinless, then why did Jesus get baptized? Why did he come here to John's baptism to get baptism, baptized? 
Well, the baptism of Jesus is really a picture of his mission. And this is what I want to show you tonight. The baptism of Jesus is a picture of his mission. Well, how is that? Well, in this way. First of all, the baptism of Jesus shows his sinless obedience and perfect submission to the Father. So understand that in this picture of his mission, the baptism of Jesus shows a sinless obedience and perfect submission to the Father. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, there's a little more uh, we find to what went on. John, um, Luke kind of goes through this quick, but in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, he's baptizing people, then Jesus comes up and, and, and asks to be baptized, and John's like, wait, 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 you? You know, you get baptized. Wait, it's, I should get baptized by you. What do you mean, you know, me baptize you? Well, Jesus replies in Matthew 3.15, he says, no, you have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And what that means is that Jesus, he is willing in submitting to the Father to perfectly obey the Father in every aspect of life, including being baptized here. So, it showed that Jesus lived and lives the perfect life, sinless. Plus, the Lamb of God has to be sinless without blemish, right? In order for him to die for our sins, he cannot have any sin. So, first of all, we see that the baptism really is showing that obedience and that submission that Jesus had to the Father. Secondly, the baptism is a picture of what will happen to Jesus as he takes our place when he dies upon the cross. Let me explain. Now, when you go down into the water, you guys have been baptized, right, in our church, understand this. When you go down in the water, it's a picture of death, like you're dying. When you go under the water, it's a picture of the burial. And when you come up out of the water, it's a picture of the resurrection. So you see, Jesus is identifying, first of all, with the sinners, and Jesus is identifying with us in baptism to show how the sinless one will take our place on the cross. Where we would have to have uh, paid for our own sins, Jesus did that. So he died, he was buried, but then he was risen from the dead. So we see baptism is a picture of what will happen to Jesus as he takes our place. And the third thing, I think this is very interesting. The baptism is a presentation of the sacrifice of God. And let me explain. Do you remember we read back in Luke chapter 1 that John, really, his parents, right? They were descendants of priests, right? Even Elizabeth, his mom, was a direct descendant of Aaron. And John, so, so John is like this priest of Aaron in the tabernacle doing his duty by presenting the sacrifice for sin. So here's John, right, presenting Jesus through this baptism is the presentation of Jesus being the sacrifice for sin. Remember again, John 1, John 1, uh, John the Baptist points, right, to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So there's even another interesting picture here is John even acting as the priest. He's, a, he's in line with the priest and all that. So you see, with all these things, Jesus' baptism is a picture of his mission. Isn't that beautiful to see? Let's go on here now. In verse 21, it then says Jesus had been baptized and was praying. And I want to stop right there because this is interesting. You have to know that only in the book of Luke 
Does it, he write here that Jesus was praying at the time of his baptism? And that's interesting. Why did Luke point this out? Why, why, did, Jesus, why did he say Jesus is praying? Why, why is Jesus praying here? Well, you know what? As a human being who is willing to lay down right, his, his God attributes, Jesus was ever dependent on God the Father. That's why. Remember Luke, the writer Luke, what's his focus? Each of the Gospels has different focus, right? But Luke, his, its focus is to portray Jesus more as a human being, as a man. So only Luke emphasizing Jesus praying, and it shows how important prayer was to Jesus. Here we see Jesus praying at the beginning of, of his ministry, really, and we're going to talk about that. But also throughout Luke, we, we see Jesus praying like he went to pray all night before he chose the disciples. He, he went to pray when, when the ministry, when crowds started to come and ministry started to grow. He went to pray uh, when he, he was praying when he was transfigured. He was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, right? So Jesus was a man of prayer. Jesus was ever dependent on the Father. And I don't know about you, but that's something we should follow too and be ever dependent on God and show that with prayer. Well, let's go on here. So he was praying, he, was, he got baptized, and then it says the heavens were open. And this is what I picture. I picture, so John the Baptist says, okay, I'm going to baptize you, Jesus. So he brings him down into water, immerses him, brings him back up. When he brings him back up, when he comes up out of the water, I can imagine where it says that heaven opened, that, that all of a sudden it was like the sky opened, and I could picture, I don't know this for sure, but this is what I picture, the Shekinah glory of light was just all of a sudden shining, yeah? Like maybe in, in the old days of Israel in the wilderness, just this Shekinah glory opened up, and that, what I, that's what I believe is that what it means when it says that heaven opened. And then in verse 22, it says, The Holy Spirit descended on him, on Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. So it was seen the Holy Spirit come upon him in a form like a dove upon him. And if you ever wonder why a lot of Calvary chapels have a dove, like heading down, well, this is it. It's the symbol of the Holy Spirit coming down. And that's what was happening with Jesus. So the Shekinah glory, uh, the heavens open, and then the Holy Spirit like a dove is coming down upon Jesus. As he comes out of the water, probably standing there and dripping, and then all of a sudden this dove comes down upon him. And it's the Holy Spirit. And what it is, the Holy Spirit, it's a symbol of Holy Spirit anointing him. For what? For ministry. Because this is the beginning of his ministry. And then it says, A voice came, in verse 22, from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Who's this voice now? God the Father. God the Father. So here's God the Father speaking and saying, You are my beloved son. And that word son says so much. Because it's saying in essence, Jesus is the same as the Father. So God the Father speaks to God the Son here. And, he's, and He says, You are my Son, my beloved Son. In essence, you are the same. So here's Jesus' deity uh, shown right here. And then it says, With you, 
the Father says, with you I am well pleased. What is he pleased about? Well, remember I mentioned about, uh, the, in the other study how uh, perhaps the Father was pleased on how Jesus from a boy, right, from a baby grew up and lived perfectly before the Father. He was sinless, right? But I also believe that the Father says, I am well pleased because Jesus, with his baptism, is launching into his ministry and to fulfill the plan of God. So here the Father is pleased of Jesus that he's stepping out to be a servant to die for the sins of the world. So we see God the Son now, recognized here, and now this servant Savior being recognized here. Take note too, if you notice that we see the Trinity here. We see Jesus, right, being baptized in verse 21, if you circle that. Then we see the Holy Spirit at the beginning of verse 22. And then we see the voice, which is God the Father. And right here, there's no uh, stronger proof of a Trinity going on right here. So here's Jesus, the God, God the Son, and the servant Savior, all being baptized. C.H. Spurgeon said this, Remember, Christ was not a defiled man, neither was he a humanized God. He was perfectly God, and at the same time, perfectly man. So, all God, all man, at the same time. Well, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read this, a question came into my mind was, so, why did like the heaven open up like this? Why did the Holy Spirit come down like this in a form of a dove, right? Why did this voice, right, the Father's voice come out from heaven in all of this? I mean, it, it seems like a, a big screen movie going on, right? Why was this all happening in this way? You know why? Because this is the official start of the mission of Jesus. The official start here. From here... He's going to start his ministry from here. Well, actually, we'll see next time he'll be tempted. But it's the official start of him stepping out as the Lord, the Savior, God's Son, the servant Savior to fulfill the mission. So this is huge. This is a moment. That, that's why the Shekinah glory, that's why the heavens open up. This is a huge moment when the Son of God, who is a servant man, officially steps out to fulfill the Father's plan. I, I thought this was really interesting. In Isaiah 42.1, it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. This is the prophecy of the Messiah. So it's all right here we see in Luke chapter 3. So, all in all, what we see is the baptism shows Jesus' submission to the mission of God. He's stepping out. He's ready to do whatever the Father asks him to do. So the baptism shows Jesus' submission to the mission of God. What a moment that must have been. If, if, you know, I kind of wish you know, we had a camera back then. It was recorded. I mean, what a moment it would have been to, to see all of this. You know, I remember when I was baptized. Do you? you remember when you were water baptized and all? I remember. For me, it was a cloudy morning. Um, the water felt cold on my feet. And, 
And I wasn't sure if I was shaking because I was like a little nervous or, or, or I was a little cold or both or I'm not sure. And I remember going up to the pastor to baptize me and, and I'm, we come up and I'm standing there with him and, and he looks, and, looks at me and he says, who is Jesus to you? And I'll tell you, at that moment, I'm kind of shaking, a little cold, and, and, and you're staying with the pastor, you know, and, and you want to get baptized, and then all of a sudden you're saying, who's Jesus to you? I, I, I don't know about you, but I couldn't think, you know. I was like, oh, oh, you know, it's one of those moments because you're a little nervous, and the pastor's asking you this question, and I didn't know there was going to be some pop quiz here, you know. No one told me that, too, right? And, and it, maybe what... What seemed like ages to me, you know, maybe a few seconds or so later, all I could think was to blurt out, uh, he's my savior. Jesus is my savior. And, and, you know, for a moment I was wondering, what was that wrong? I mean, I mean who? Maybe, maybe that, that was, that, I think that's a good answer for this pop quiz. Well, you know what? He looked right into my eyes and he, and he took his finger and he said, he said, um, he said, no. He said, Jesus is your Lord first and then. He's your Savior. And I'll tell you, I never, I, I never forgot that. And I, at that time, you know, I was like uh, uh, 14, 15 years old. And I never forgot that. I still see the picture of his face and him going, No, Jesus is the Lord. And then he's your Savior. And, and you know what? It impacted me my whole life. And, and I'll tell you what. The Spirit was telling me that Jesus is God. Jesus is my Savior. And how amazing that the Lord of my life would come down to this earth to become a man, to be my Savior. You know what that says? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me so much. Jesus submitted to this plan of the Father, the mission that was given given to Him. He followed it perfectly, did the Father's will. And he humbled himself to die for me and for you. You see, even at this baptism, we see love, don't we? We see God's love, how God the Son willingly became a man to die. How incredible is the heart of Jesus here? I want you to catch that here. The baptism shows Jesus' submission to the mission of God. Are you hurting tonight? Are you depressed, discouraged tonight? Are you broken? Maybe you walked in here, maybe you feel unloved, but know this, you're reading this, you see what's going on here. You see this official start. The mission begins here. You see all of this. This this is love happening, you guys. This is an amazing moment. As a baptism is a picture of his mission. Know this, that God loves you, and he proved it. Right here by coming to the earth. And so understand, Jesus becoming a man, going through this baptism, doing all of this, you know, he understands what you go through as in your humanity because he was one too. And you know, when we fail him, when we sin, remember we have a Savior who gave us all to obey God's plan and to die, right, for our own disobedience and sin. The baptism shows Jesus' submission to the mission of God. We see here a picture of that mission that's beginning here, where God stepped 
in, really, right, to take our place on the cross. I don't know if you, you caught this a few months ago. Um, I, I think I first saw it on Facebook, I think, or Instagram or Facebook. But it was in the news, too. A few months ago, six-year-old Bridger Walker saved his four-year-old sister from a dog attack. Did you see that in the news? Remember that? A German shepherd uh, there at a, a friend's house, a German shepherd had, had lunch at the sister. And so little Bridger, six-year-old, stepped in front of her. And the dog then latched onto Bridger's cheek. Uh, and, and, and grabbed him. He yelled to tell the sister to go in, and the dog let go. At the hospital, he received 90 stitches to his face. And when the father asked why to Bridger, why did you step in in front of the dog to save your sister? You know what his reply was? He said this, six years old now. If someone had to die, I thought it should be me. That's Jesus. That's what we see in this baptism. This is that picture of his mission. That's Jesus. That's what we see here. You know, I call out to you guys tonight and even anyone online. Will you come to Jesus tonight? Will you give your heart to him? He loves you. This is what he did for us. If you never really received Christ and given your life to him and surrendered to him, this is the moment. This is the time. See what this baptism shows us this is when this mission really began all right let's go on to number two now number two the bloodline the bloodline this is our next section from verse 23 all the way to the end to verse 38 but first of all take a look at verse 23 luke chapter 3 verse 23 it says jesus when he began his ministry was about 30 years of age being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. So now in this section, we get into the genealogy here of Jesus. And it begins with Jesus, when he began his ministry, first of all, when all this happened, when he stepped out, and this was the official start of his ministry of baptism, he was about 30 years old. Which is interesting, because back then, the, well, the Jewish priest that was serving the temple, that's when they actually started to serve in ministry. And then it says here, uh, being the son, as was supposed, parentheses, of Joseph. The NLT puts it as known as. So that's what it's meaning. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. So uh, we understand from our studies here in Luke, right, that really Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, right? And so... Joseph wasn't his real father, right? But stepfather, you can say. So known as. So, he, so Joseph was like known as his father, but not the real father. But he's mentioned here. And then it says, the son of Heli. Now, I want you to see something here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. There's actually another genealogy here. Matthew chapter 1, really the gospel of Matthew starts with another genealogy. There's two genealogies of Jesus. One we're looking at in Luke, and here Matthew 1 is another genealogy. Uh, the one in, in Matthew actually starts with Abraham, you can see in verse 1 or verse 2, and it goes all the way to Jesus in verse 16. The one in Luke 
it, it, it starts really with, with Jesus. It goes backwards and we'll go all the way to Adam. So it's a little bit different. But I want you to know something in verse 16. Verse 16, Matthew 1. It says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So we see Jesus was born of Mary, and, and Joseph was the husband, and Jacob, though, was the father of Joseph. Now, what's going on here? If you look back in, in Luke, if you remember in verse 23, Luke 3, it says Joseph, the son of Heli. Well, that's a different name. So, so what, what's happening here? Is this uh, one of those contradictions, you know, uh, in the Bible? What, what, what is happening here? It is not a contradiction. Because in Luke chapter 3, verse uh, 23, at the end, when it says Joseph, the son of Heli, it is really mentioning Mary's father. That's what's going on. Uh, what we see in Matthew is actually Joseph's line. And what we see in Luke is Mary's bloodline. That's what I want you to see here in Luke chapter 3. Matthew 1 is a little bit different than what Luke 3 shows. And the reason is, is because Matthew is Joseph's line. And that's important because legally Jesus was in, uh, under his father was Joseph and legally he's part of that line but the bloodline is actually Mary's the son of Heli so that's what's believed here and what we're seeing in some of the differences so, so understand what we're looking at is Mary's bloodline let's go on here back to Luke 3 now Luke 3 it says in verse 24 the son of uh, Martha the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Hamatuai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mathathias, the son of Amos, the son of Naham, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai. Now, a lot of these names we don't know. We don't have any reference in other places of the Bible here. The son of Ma'a, verse 26, the son of Mathathias, the son of Simeon, the son of Joshet, the son of Jodah, or is that Yoda? No, Jodah, the son of uh, Joannim, the son of uh, Resha, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the son of Neti. Now, Zerubbabel uh, is, is the one who came out of the Babylonian captivity, led the captives, Jewish captives, back to the homeland and helped and rebuilt the temple that was destroyed back in Ezra. Then it goes on, says, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosayim, the son of Almadam, the son of, what is that? Ur. Ur? Ur. Maybe it's a Ur. The son of Joshua, the son of Elizet, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of John. Jonam, uh, the son of Eliakim. So this is sons of, you know, and the father, sons and the fathers. The son of, in verse 31, the son of Meliah, the son of um, Mena, the son of Matata, the son of Nathan, the son of David. And we'll stop there in verse 31. The son of David is, David here is King David. So we come down the genealogy all the way to this point, and we see 
that Mary's bloodline is also coincides to David's. So Jesus has a royal blood. So this shows the royal bloodline here. And let me let me share something real real interesting. So notice um, David's son right above that is Nathan, right? If you if you go up like that, Nathan's the dad. The son is Nathan, right? So turn back over to Matthew, Matthew chapter one once again. And in Matthew chapter one, if you look at verse eleven. Verse 11, Matthew 1, it says, And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of deportation to Babylon. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, not there. Back up to verse 6, verse 6. It says, And Jesse, the father of David the king, and David was the father of who? Solomon by the wife Uriah. Now, first look at this. David... Right, his son was Solomon mentioned here in Joseph's line. But back, if you keep your finger there, just keep your finger in Matthew 1. If you go back to Luke chapter 3, we see that in verse 31, the son of David there is Nathan. So that's where the, the family tree split. Yeah. Mary came out of Nathan's line, another son of David. Joseph came out of Solomon's line. So, so there's a difference there. And that's why we see one is Joseph's line and this is Mary's bloodline. But Mary is still uh, part of the royal bloodline. Jesus is still part of that royal bloodline. Now, back to Matthew 1. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. Where it says, Josiah, the father of Jeconiah. Now, Jeconiah... It's interesting he's mentioned here because in Jeremiah 22, 30, this king is one of the last kings there before Babylon came. He was cursed. God said, none of your descendants, is, none of your line is going to sit on the throne. So, uh, you know, when you're studying a Bible and you see this name and, and, and you kind of connect it with that, you're going, wait, 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 what's going on here? Wait, didn't Jesus come, you know, from... From that, and this is down from David, when there was that promise, right? That in Second Samuel, David was promised that one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever, which is the prophecy of the Messiah. But then down the line, this king, Jeconiah, he sinned so bad, the Lord cursed him, said, None of your descendants are, are going to sit on the throne. Well, interesting thing, that was Joseph's line, right? But Mary's bloodline, which is actually Jesus' blood. Joseph is his father legally, but by blood, it's Mary. Well, Mary's bloodline wasn't touched by that. So God kept his promise. He kept his word here. One of David's is going to sit on the throne. The, 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 the line split, and this Joseph's line was actually cursed. Mary's line stayed uh, pure. Interesting, isn't it? Back to, back to uh, Luke chapter 3 now. Luke chapter 3. We go on here. Verse 32. The son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz. So we know these names, right? Jesse, uh, David's father. And we've been reading that in our daily reading uh, uh, past few weeks ago. And then Boaz. Who's Boaz? The husband of Ruth, right? In the book of Ruth. So Interesting, right? And then the, the son of um, 
Salah, the son of Nashon. Verse 33, the son of Aminadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah. At the end of verse 33, that is Judah, the head of the tribe of Judah, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then it goes on in verse 34, the son of Jacob, we know that name, right? Or his name was changed to what? Israel, right? The son of Isaac, Isaac was married to who? Rebecca, right? The son of Abraham now, the son of Terah, the son of Nair. So we come to the name Abraham. Now, uh, Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham, but here we're, we're, we're going the other direction, and we come to Abraham. And this is important, again, because we see that Jesus is of the Hebrew bloodline. So we see Jesus is part of Mary's bloodline, which goes to the royal bloodline, and now it goes all the way back to Abraham, so Jesus is a Hebrew. He's part of the Hebrew bloodline. And then look at verse 35. The son of Sarek, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah. Again, we don't know a lot of these names. The son of Cayman, uh, the son of uh, Arpha Oxed, the son of Shem, the son of Noah. You guys know Noah, right? What he built? Oh, good, good answer. If you said tower, I would say, what? What's wrong with you guys? No. The son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah. How long did Methuselah live? You remember? Longest living guy. 969 years. You don't know that? I didn't either. I had to write it down here. <laughs> the, the son of Enoch. Remember Enoch? Enoch was the guy who walked with God, and then he was not, right? God took, took him home, right? The son of Jared... Oh, Jared's in here. Hey, Jared. The son of uh, Mahalalel, the son of uh, Canaan, or Kenan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, and the son of who? Adam. And then it says the son of God, which means that Adam was created by God. That, that's, that's that idea. So, when we come all the way to Adam... But Luke is showing that Jesus is part of the human bloodline, of mankind, of humankind bloodline. So he's part of Mary's bloodline. He's part of the royal bloodline. He's part of the, uh, he connects to the Hebrew bloodline. And he goes all the way, back, all the way to Adam showing, no, he, he comes from this human Bloodline, And that's important, one, because remember Luke is presenting him in his humanity, Jesus in his humanity. And the other thing that it's important is because back then, gods were these legends, right? And they came from nowhere or wherever, right? And, and, and this was showing he's not like this Greek god, but he was, he, he was actually a living human being on earth. A missionary... Um, Bible translator to a, a certain tribe had uh, was translating the Bible, and um, he he put doing this genealogy in, in Luke until last because he thought it wasn't important. Well, when he finally finished the genealogy, a local native uh, read it and and went back and and told the missionary, "You mean to tell us that this Jesus was a real person with real an ancestors? We had no idea." And I thought that was great, because if you live in a culture where, oh, there's these gods, and they're just these spirit beings, or these, you know, 
But here, here's Luke trying to push this and put this out. All right, our last point here tonight is this. The bloodline shows God's plan was already a goal from long ago. How do you like that? <laughs> the bloodline shows, shows God's plan was already a goal from long ago. You know, 1 Peter 1.20 says, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. And I don't know if, if you look at that scripture, I don't know if you understand that, but it, it's saying that the eternal sovereign God, before Adam and Eve were created, or before they, they even sinned, planned the salvation of sinners through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing to, to, to think about that? Yeah. That God had this plan from long, He already had a plan going. Right? Already ago, from long ago. I, I, I love that. I love that. That God knew all of this and had this plan in place. So when you look at the genealogy, you're going, wow, the Lord had it all together from long ago. But I want you to think about this too. If God did that, right? Plan from eternity past. For Jesus to come and die for our sins so we can have salvation. If he did that, then you know what? God has a specific plan for your life too. Think, think about how um, in Ephesians 1, 4, it says, uh, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God chose us, knew us, right? And he sent Jesus to save us. And so God knew about you from way before. So you know what? He has a plan for you. And whatever your genealogy may be or your family tree, throughout it all, God has had this plan for you. Remember Jeremiah? The Lord told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So think about that. God, you know what? He has a plan for your life. If he did all this for Jesus to save us and he chose us, then he, he, he has this plan. He got this plan for you and for me. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God had already planned for us to walk with Him and to do what He wants us to do. And you know what? Put it this way as we're talking about this. God has given each one of you a mission. And so like Jesus, let us submit. Let us be committed to that plan. Will you be faithful to that mission, you guys? There's a purpose in this life that we live in right now. There's a, there's a mission that you and I have right now, even in this whole COVID situation. It seems a restrictor, but in it, God is not surprised. God has chosen you. God has prepared you beforehand to fulfill His mission that He's given you to fulfill right now at such a time as this. 
R.B. Cooper said, If God were less than sovereign, man would be less than responsible. Since God is absolutely sovereign, man is wholly responsible to him. Look at that quote. To me, it's deep. To me, it's like, whoa. In God's sovereign plan, in his wisdom, in, in his orchestrating events and having us born into our families and places, and now we're here today, we live on Maui, we work in our places, and all of that, your, your place in your family or in your workplace or wherever you are, God is giving you a mission. As a, a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife perhaps, as, as where you live, In your neighborhood, maybe where you work, what you're doing now, maybe it's serving in a church, whatever that is, God has given you a purpose and a mission to bring the gospel, to share the gospel, to be part of bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives. So don't sit here tonight thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know about me, I don't know, I'm I'm no good. You know what, none of us are worthy. But know that God has given you a mission. If you look at the genealogy, to me, I see it. And I see how it relates to us today. So, do all you can with what you have to fulfill your mission God has given you. I'll close with this story. A missionary to Africa told of this elderly woman who is reached with the gospel, and she got saved. And though she was blind, she, she couldn't read or write, but she wanted to share Jesus with, with other people. So she went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible um, in, in her language. And then when she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page on it so she could find it, so she could kind of feel where it is and, and, and have it bookmarked. Then, this is what she did, and the missionary followed her. In the afternoon, just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. And as the boys came out, when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read uh, in this language. And he said yes, and she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And then she would tell this boy, about Jesus Christ. The missionary says that 24 of the schoolboys came to Jesus through that lady. And uh, um, actually, more than that, but 24 of those schoolboys that she led to the Lord became pastors. Isn't that awesome? Do all that you can with what you have. That's the mission, you guys. And God has placed you and I in that. So let's be like Jesus and step out, submit to God, and watch and see as the mission begins. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm in all of this, God, as we see the picture of your mission in your baptism. Lord, I, under, I understand it more clearly, more than ever, Lord, in my life. And I thank you for that, God, because it speaks so much of your love for us. And God, as we look at the genealogy, we see your sovereign hand in all of this, Lord. We see, Lord, how, how the bloodline shows your plan was already a goal from long ago. And God, that means you have a plan for us, too.
And you have a mission for us as you, uh, you have called us to go out and make disciples, Lord. To be part of kingdom work. To be part of spreading your gospel. To be part of doing our part, Lord, of bringing Jesus to others. Lord, wherever we are called, whatever our ministry is, whether at home, in our neighborhood, at work, in church, whatever that is, Lord, may we get to doing the mission. And Lord, I pray for each person right now. I pray for those online connected right now. Lord, that this would be the start, Lord, as we are more aware now of what you want to do in our lives. God, as, as you went out, you came to this earth, as you showed us in the picture of your baptism, Lord, as we see that your sovereign hand in your genealogy, God, you are with us right now. And so, Lord, I want to pray for every person here tonight and anyone connected, Lord, that you would anoint us, empower us, Lord, to fulfill the mission that you've given us. And I pray your Holy Spirit will fall upon us, Lord, like the dove did upon you, Jesus. That when we leave this place, when we disconnect tonight, Lord, that we would be different. I think about, Lord, when the Spirit came upon Saul, and it says in Scripture that he became a different man. Lord, may we be different men and women, Lord. And may this be the beginning of the mission that you've given us officially, Lord. Thank you, God. Here we are, Lord. Submitted, surrendered to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and worship.